Hi, thanks for listening. This is the It's So Widgets Flutter podcast. My name is Hilla Korn. Each episode, we get the chance to talk with another amazing Flutter developer. This episode, we'd like to be speaking with Bavan. Welcome, Bavan. Really happy to have on the podcast. Can you share a bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so my name is Pavan Budila, and I've been doing UI for more than 15 years. <laughs> Worked on different of different platforms like Java, .NET, Mac, iOS, Web, and of late, of course, the Dart and Flutter platforms. So I've been doing UI for quite some time. I'm happy to be here. Nice. And what got you interested in Flutter? So I first heard of Flutter, interestingly, in a Dart conference. I think it was like probably two years back, maybe when Eric Seidel was uh, announcing Flutter project and he was kind of giving an overview of how the Dart language has been used to create this uh, cross-platform widget framework. And that's what got me interested. But then I was having like this cursory interest in it because it wasn't really mature. And then I think uh, December was when it went live. So after then I kind of picked up the interest again. So I think it feels like a pretty robust platform now to build apps and uh, and I'm pretty excited that you know we have something like that today. Definitely agreed. Uh, can you talk about any projects you're currently working on? Sure. So I work for a company called uh, Publicis Sapien, which is a pretty big uh, advertising company, but uh, also works very heavily with a lot of verticals like uh, automation, automotives, healthcare, finance. And I'm in the finance vertical of that company, you know, which focuses on building apps like trading dashboards, risk monitoring tools, portfolio management, investment tools, and so on. Pretty heavy duty in terms of data management. And so a lot of my apps and clients are in that space, you know, Wall Street clients mostly, and we build financial apps uh, and of late, the, the apps that we built were mostly web, and now we're moving into the mobile platforms. Of course, we started with React Native, and now we're even considering Flutter as our primary choice you know, for building these apps. That's great. Are there aspects you like most about Flutter? Yeah, so Flutter, I think, uh, kind of solves a lot of the problems that we had to solve by using separate packages or libraries and frameworks like React. Uh, so layout is a big thing for me. I think that is already a solved problem with Flutter. So it makes it very easy to kind of take a wireframe and quickly put the layout sketch together, you know. Uh, the other big problems which Flutter, I think, takes care of is like animations and uh, giving you this hot reload, which is a fantastic feature, you know, for quickly iterating through a variety of different designs and building up the state. And the best part is it keeps the state, right, while it hot reloads. So that's the whole hotness that it keeps alive. And that kind of really improves the developer productivity. And I'm uh, pretty happy that uh, this is the way forward for a lot of uh, development frameworks. And Flutter is kind of setting the standard of what it means to be a cross-platform toolkit. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, are there any things you'd like to see changed? So I'm uh, hoping the platform views, which I think got announced pretty recently, would become you know like a mainstream thing. So we can start using a lot of the native widgets which are available in the platforms. So I'm really looking forward to that becoming more robust and standardized. And any Flutter tips you can share? Yeah, so uh, I learned Flutter by actually listening to a lot of podcasts and the YouTube videos, you know, with by Eric and his team. And uh, if you go back a few years, actually, there were some Google Tech Talks which were also given about Flutter, the, how the rendering model works, and things like that. And I think uh, there's also this Boring Flutter podcast, I think, a Boring Flutter cast on YouTube, which also has a lot of interesting tips and trips, uh, tips on uh, Flutter. So I would definitely, you know, gain, gain my knowledge from multiple sources, and these are a few of them. Uh, likewise, I've watched many of those same videos. Yeah, they're excellent. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts uh, on state management? Yeah, this is a big topic for me, <laughs> uh, because uh, once you learn the framework, I think uh, you'll spend a lot of your time managing the state inside your applications. And this is the part which kind of gets complicated. And the more sophisticated the application that you're building, the state is what kind of an acts as the sore thumb, or may not be the sore thumb, you know, depending on how you build it. 
So, and there'll be a lot of solutions in the Dart and Flutter platform about uh, managing state. Uh, we have the scope model, we have a block, we have Redux, and uh, off late I've been working on a project which introduces yet another solution to this mix. Uh, so state management is pretty important and I'm happy to talk more about it actually. That'd be great. Uh, can you talk a bit about the project you're working on? Sure. So I've seen a similar kind of an evolution happen in the JavaScript side where uh, you went through a series of different uh, introductions in the state management solutions. So we had, uh, if I look at just the React framework, uh, we had the set state in React. And I'm using React because it's kind of very similar similar to Flutter in terms of the API, in terms of the feel and the whole unidirectional flows. So I'll kind of use that as an example. So in React, we had set state, then we went through um, the Redux, and then we had uh, MobX, which kind of solved a few other things along with it. Now, there's kind of a similar kind of an evolution happening on the Flutter side as well. So you have set state, which you can use by default, and then you have Redux and scope model and block. And now uh, all of this... Uh, frameworks, uh, what they do is they help you manage the state and the flow of the data inside the application, making it very unidirectional, right? So you don't mutate the store directly, uh, the state directly, but rather you change something in the store, the store files notification to the UI and the UI re-renders itself. Now, MobX is actually a solution to the state management problem where instead of you having to wire things together, you get a more automated way of picking up the uh, desired state that you're looking at inside a UI. And whenever you that particular state changes, the UI automatically re-renders. So there's a little bit, little bit of a wiring that is there, uh, which you have to do. And that wiring actually is almost automatic in case of MobX. So if you look at frameworks like Redux, for example, there is a bit of a wiring that you have to do, where if you, let's say, uh, you have your store definitions, you have your initial state, and if you want to change that, you fire an action. And that action goes through a hierarchy of reducers, which will eventually create a new instance of the entire store. And uh, it fires notification to the UI. The UI then has to go through a hierarchy of widgets, which will specifically pick out the state that it's interested in by using a specific kind of widget available in uh, Flutter Redux. And then using that, it has to you know, re-render that part of the UI. So it just feels like as your UI tree goes, grows in size, you know, you'll probably end up sprinkling the UI tree with a lot of these kind of widgets. And over time, then this can become a little bit challenging because you have to constantly extract the view model state which is the sliver of state that you're using inside your UI and uh, use that to re-render itself. And you also have to be careful that you only pick up the part that you need and not the entire thing, right? Otherwise, it'll be too much of re-rendering on the UI tree. So MobX kind of solves a lot of these problems by creating a reactive model and making it very transparent. And by transparent, I mean the wiring that is required to read the state that you want to use is almost automatic. You simply use it like reading a variable and wrap it inside an observer widget, and that's it. That takes care of simply uh, re-rendering the widget anytime that particular observable state changes. So to go a little more deeper into this, and I'm happy to do that uh, um, if uh, that's the way we want to go. Yeah, absolutely. As deep as you like. All right. So uh, just to kind of give you a few uh, concepts in MobX uh, before we go deeper over there. So MobX is built around three important concepts, which is observables, actions, and reactions. So observables uh, form the reactive state of your application. And by reactive, I mean they fire notifications anytime you change any part of the state. So this state could be as simple as a scalar value, like a counter in case of the counter example, or it could be a very complex uh, tree of uh, stores depending on other stores. Right? So depending on the application, let's say you have 10 features, each feature could get its own store, and at the application layer, you're kind of you know, composing all the stores together to create this hierarchy of stores. 
So your application state tree can be as complex as you want it to be. And that forms the observable state of your application because that's what you're observing inside the widgets or inside other places of your application. The second part is now that you have the state, someone has to mutate it, right? That's the whole point of a user interface or um, where the user can make changes to the state depending on what domain you're dealing with or what operations you have inside your domain. So if you take the case of a counter example, it could be incrementing the counter or decrementing the counter. And those two become the actions that you use to mutate the observable state. So besides the actions, you also have reactions, kind of using like the Newton's law, right? For every action, you have a equal and opposite reaction kind of thing. But uh, a reaction is what you would use to react to a change in state. And reactions in case of Mobix could be as simple as a console log. Let's say anytime the uh, observable state changes, simply log the change. Or it could be as complex as a UI, which is re-rendering itself anytime the observable state changes. So using these three pillars, uh, which is observable state, uh, are called observables, actions and reactions, you create a triad which acts as the way in which you define the entire Mobex application. And there's actually a nice diagram I have on the website or even on the uh, the GitHub page, which kind of shows you how these three things work together to create a very autonomous, auto, sorry, automatic system, uh, which kind of keeps track of uh, the observable state that is being used and uh, automatically re-rendering the parts of the reactions which are observing that particular state. I don't know if it's kind of making sense, but uh, this is how you kind of use these three concepts to create UI applications. That, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds really, really, really exciting. Um, just kind of go into a bit more detail. I think one of the problems with Redux is if a small part of the state changes, everything bound to the state updates. So it sounds like with MobX, only the part that's affected would rebuild. Is that correct? Absolutely, yes. You got it right. And we use these observer widgets, which can be sprinkled anywhere in a UI tree. And it can observe as little as possible, so or as much as you want. And anytime that particular part that you're observing inside the observer widget changes, it'll re-render that widget. So you could be having a very simple, let's say you have a to-do example, right? a to-do list. Now, anytime you mark the doneness of the to-do, only that particular to-do is going to re-render itself because that to-do is simply an observer around its own done flag, right? So when you mark the done to true or false, just that to-do part of your widget tree will be re-rendering itself. And that's automatic inside Mobex. So there's no extra work that needs to be done. There's no extra wiring or creating view models or any extra um, you know, state management that you had to do over there. It's fully automatic over there. It's really cool. And also with Redux, I think one of the common criticisms is that there's a fair amount of boilerplate code. So it sounds like the MobX, you kind of eliminate a lot of that code and it's more direct interactions with the state tree. Agreed, yes. Uh, so if you use the raw MobX, uh, just to be a little more, give a little disclaimer over here, if you use a raw MobX, there's still a little bit of boilerplate you have to write. But we have a project called MobX CodeGen, which uses the source gen package inside the Dart platform. And using that, we have annotations that you can sprinkle on your state tree. So, for example, at observable, at action, at computed, and so on. And by doing that, you kind of eliminate a lot of the boilerplate that you have to have written. You would have written, rather, uh, if you are using the raw MobX APIs. So this kind of clears out a lot of the uh, extra jargon and uh, APIs that you have to use inside MobX and keeps the whole code very readable. And if you look at any MobX file, you know, be it very simple or be very complex, you can kind of see the observable state because it'll all be marked with at observable annotations. You can look at the computed properties, which are all derived properties. And a derived property is yet another thing in MobX where it could depend on any observable. And anytime the observable changes, the derived property will have its new value or updated automatically. So as an example, if you have first name and last name as two separate observables, 
and you have a full name property, which is the computed observable, uh, the full name will automatically change anytime the first name or last name changes. So if you look at a MobX file, you know, you'll have all these annotations all over the place, at observable, at computed, at actions, and this kind of gives you a clear way of knowing what is the core state, what is the derived state, and what all actions you're firing to mutate that particular state. And then, of course, you'll have the reaction methods like the UI widgets and other reactions you can have in the system. So it gives you a very clear way of knowing, you know, what is the state, what is mutating that state, and who are the observers of this particular state. And it becomes very easy to kind of read the state code inside your application. Nice. That makes a lot of sense and sounds extremely useful. Uh, yeah. We'll definitely include links in the episode notes. Uh, and I myself am really looking forward to going to try it out and, and mess around with it. Um, are there yeah. any areas of Flutter you're trying to learn more about yourself? Yeah, so I've been doing Flutter for the uh, last few months, and uh, I really want to get into the animation framework, but that looks pretty cool. And I haven't explored that part very much, so I'm looking forward to playing around with animations, reading all the articles, and having fun. <laughs> nice, me too. That's also an area I'm, I'm trying to study more about. Uh, yep. Is there any advice to give someone just starting out? Yeah, I would say uh, just uh, you know look at the Flutter IO website, use the Getting Started tutorial, and just start writing code, you know. I mean, you may not know anything on day one, but I'm pretty sure if you keep hitting it uh, until by the end of the week, you will have enough of a knowledge to kind of, you know, be dangerous. <laughs> so nice. just keep at it. Nice. And IDE of choice, IntelliJ, Android Studio, VS Code? I'm personally an IntelliJ user. I've been using it for more than 10 years. So uh, that definitely is something I would use on any project. Cool. And finally, anything else you'd like to add or promote? I would say take a look at mobx.dart. Um, it's an interesting state management solution which could kind of simplify the state code that you would write in your UI application. And uh, our project is not too old, but yet we have covered a lot of the API that's available on the mobx JavaScript side. We have active community already building up. There is a Gitter channel which you can use to kind of ask questions. And people are already kind of experimenting with this and playing around and seeing the benefits. So I hope that you also could uh, enjoy those benefits. Pavan, thank you very much for taking time to be on the podcast. If anyone listening likes to tell their story, go to itswitches.com and click podcast in the top right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>